Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting in the ring room with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Thank you, Renee. Thank you. <laughs> Once again, it's great to be here. How you doing, man? Oh, okay. uh, it's great to be here in the ring room with our, uh, cross, sitting across from you, uh, and mm. uh, we have a really great guest we're going to bring in tonight, right. uh, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, have things calmed down a little bit uh, back at, at work? The, well, they've calmed down, but the problem I'm having is the heat still. It's so hot. I know. It's, I know. You would think beginning of October, hot. it would be, uh, you know, it, we, we got a couple of cool yeah, breezes last week, and yeah. we thought, oh, here it's turning. It's like, no, yeah, no, it's, no. Still, it's still hot and as hell. And my lawn is dying. I try watering <laughs> it, and it's just dying. And I did something. It's been so hot that I did something I haven't done in a while, uh-huh. quite a while. Uh, I shaved my pubic hair. Okay. Yeah. Just to try to cool yourself yeah. down. Because my unit was, you know, needs debris. Overheating my package. Yeah. Okay. It was hot and bothered. I had. I I just had to do it. And 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 now I feel a little better from. Really. Yeah. Yeah. You know. You gotta. You gotta do that. Okay. And I'm sure women do it, and other men do. I know gay men do it. Used to be a thing nobody did. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess it's it's become like a thing now. I don't know where that started. I think that maybe started in porn. You know, with the explosion of of well, makes your dick look bigger too. Okay. Okay. It makes you know. I don't know what it does for the pussy, but, um, <laughs> you know, it just makes it look more appetizing, I, I guess. I, I have no idea. I don't know. And for thousands I, of years, uh, yeah. uh, you know, humans, like, yeah. you know, hundreds of thousands of years, yeah. you know. Never shaved their pubes. Yeah, it seemed to not be a yeah. problem. Yeah, well, know? I did it. And okay. I, it's not the first time I've done it. Okay. I've done it before. In, in fact, I remember uh, I used to date this girl back home in L.A., um, and she used to get off watching me shave my Okay, hair. well, you know, it's a yeah. different, yeah, every, different strokes yeah. for she different used folks, to get I guess, off. as they say. But then what happened was she'd get off, and then I'd, I'd have to watch her shave her back. Okay, <laughs> you know, which was which is, was a turnoff. Was less, yeah, 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 less of a turnoff. Was a turnoff. Yeah, yeah I could see that. You know, but so she could do it herself. She didn't need you to to assist um, in any way. She um, she was she, practiced. She, she was she was a uh, art of mirrors. Okay. Art of mirrors. Oh, she right, she right, would right. get able to do it. And, well, you know, uh, they say Keith Richards has been cutting his own hair for, for like 30, 40 yeah, years. I can tell. You yeah. could tell, yeah, yeah. Kind of like you. Huh? Well, no, 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 no. I could never do this. In fact, you know, uh, my wife always cuts my hair, bec- and she hates it because she's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I have to say, well, sweetheart... It still Why comes don't you out. just go to a guy to cut Because my haircut never comes out right. It, it'll always be too short or too long on the. You know, you're going to the wrong guy. I, I, I've tried a million different people. You try people you have to pay, you know, a lot of money to, and and uh, it's it's always. Well, a you do have that Chico Marx hairdo. I, I'm not sure what you mean by that. Well, you, you mean look, that it's wh- pointy on top? Is well, that, no. Watch well, those Marx Brothers well, movies. I, I can picture it's kind of a. It's it has no. a slope up to the top. He always wears a hat. Right. I know. <laughs> so that's what I'm looking. So <laughs> my hair I, looks like a hat? Yeah, it looks a little bit well, like Chico much, Marx's hat. But how much more does my hair look like a hat than anybody else's hair? I mean, everybody's hair kind of looks like some type of hat, you know? I guess. A I wig don't know. hat. I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, you know, um, well, you nation- should come see my guy. Over on, it's right in my neighborhood. Right yeah, there on, go, on see, uh, go see Bud. Uh, I might take it, take yeah. it, you know, it's, it's, I know it's not an expensive haircut. No, right? it's, it's 20 bucks. Okay, well. It used I, to be eight bucks. Right, right. You know, it's 20 bucks. You don't even have to tip him. Okay, well, yeah, I, I would tip see, him. I would tip him, you know, if yeah, he does a good job. I'd I think tip would, him anyway. You, but, you uh, seem like you would tip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It's because, you know, you want to develop a relationship with right. people. Right. You know, He's it's, a good guy. Yes, these, the only these problem is you can't hear that well. Yeah, so you got you to gotta so speak up. So when you say, uh, how about those saints, he says, you know, I was in Guadalcanal. <laughs> you know, and I said, okay, well, that's good for you, man. We, so, we so. Know, you know, I've noticed that, that since we've been doing this podcast, I've actually developed a loud voice, which I never had a loud voice, you know. Huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> You've developed a loud voice. Yeah, like even in a club or something, I'm talking off mic, but I can, I can yeah. employ a voice that that people. You've can developed hear me. a lot of annoying things yeah. since this podcast has started. <laughs> oh, come you on, Maddie. Okay, the loud voice isn't the only thing. But anyway, yeah, right, go right, ahead. Right, right, so right, you right, need right. a haircut. Right. Okay. Back to the haircut. But but I want to touch on something else. Um, 
So, you know, we had a, uh, another round of festivals this weekend. As you know, it's uh, one, of your, one of the banes of your existence yeah. is a constant festival activity. So I right. played at Gretna Fest, which is in Gretna, Louisiana, on the West Bank, you know, Jefferson Parish right over the line. And uh, so I've been playing there on and off for tw over 25 years. Never had a problem. <coughs> Run by Kerry Brown, the great drummer. Never had a problem. Now it's run by Live Nation. I don't know. It's not Live Nation's fault, but the, the guy at the parking lot, we pull up and we have all these credentials, and, <laughs> and he, he walks up and he goes, yeah, you don't have a gold sticker on that uh, parking pass. You can't park here. Oh. And we're like, well, this is the one they sent us in the package. He goes, yeah, you can't park here, man. You got to go over the Gretna Courthouse. And we're like, well, we have all this equipment. And he goes, yeah, that's not real. I said, well, what about these? Or Joe Cabral said, what about these? And he shows them like eight um, super official lanyards. You know, you'd put around right, your neck. Yeah. And it's like this is, you know, it has all the watermark, everything. It's obviously legit. He goes, well, yeah, those are legit, but not that. And I'm like, <laughs> man, come on. And it's like, he, we're like, we, we got to be on stage, you know, loading in in, in 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah. And he goes, what do you want me to do? And Joe goes, well, call your boss, man. Let's work it out. And the guy walks away, and he comes back with a cop. Oh, my and, goodness. And the cop goes, so now we have the, the violence of the state uh, enforcing this asshole's uh, opinion that, that we're not legit, even though we got a whole band of people and my family. You just don't there. have that parking yeah, 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 well, Pat, yeah, yeah. well, because we we need we had equipment. We needed to get a ride there somehow. Anyway, we, he made us sit there for 45 minutes till till we could go up the chain and find somebody to come over and go, why aren't you letting these guys in, you idiot? Right. And then, then we got in. Okay. So we finally did make it in. So that was great. We opened for Jose Feliciano. He's alive? Well, not only is he alive. He can see. He, well... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that would be a miracle. Yeah. Um, but no, still cannot see. Still plays great. Still sings great, man. He sings. His voice sounds as nice as, as it did in 1972. I like no two songs of his, pretty much. Right. Well, I think Never everybody... was a fan of his. Everybody, really? He's, I, I think he uses handicap to gain you know, exposure. No, but he's got a nice voice. Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah. just my opinion. Right, right, I never right, was right. a fan of huh. his. Okay. Well, yeah, Trini I, well, Lopez. Yeah, yeah. Now, that guy... Yeah, you're great. more of a fan. Yeah, Trini I like both. Trini I like Lopez. Both. Jose, you know. Well, uh, Jose, yeah. uh, he's got a hair problem like you, too, if, if no, I remember. He's, he's got a solid set of hair. Yeah, man. I know, but it looks kind of like uh, Danny Partridge in every episode of The Partridge Family. <laughs> it's too much hair, you're yeah, saying? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, a lot of people... Maybe he shaves his pubes. Well, well, well you know... Well, I hope well, he doesn't, because he's blind. Well, we'll, well, we'll never know. Maybe <laughs> oh, someone, do it, someone do it for him. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe when his when, bass player. When you're a big star like that, yeah. you know... Well, his son does play drums in the band, and he does have a percussionist that leads him on and off the stage, so I don't know where the, the lines of do are, okay. are drawn, but uh, anyway, Jose was wonderful, and he played a very long set, and he played a bunch of rock and roll stuff as well as uh, he did know. light my fire, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. And then and the doors covered hit. that, no, right? No, no, no. The doors wrote it. Oh, okay. The first, and, and he then, covered it. And then he covered his it. His was a big crossover hit because right. you know, even people that couldn't get down with the doors and and all of the edginess of that could go. Oh well, see, actually, it is a good song, even though we don't like the doors. Because look, what a lovely version this is, and it was. Okay. Uh, so anyway, that was that was a uh, that was that was a touching moment. For so me. you didn't Think. get a parking ticket, is what you're saying? No, no, got in, but you know, okay. I, I did want. I did. I was screaming about trying to get this guy fired uh -oh. as we were driving away from like leaving our car there and the band is going, Renee, shut up. Calm down. Calm down. Calm okay. down. Okay. Yeah, I, I can get wound up sometimes. Well. Um, but he had it coming. But anyway. The, well, that's the, uh, like a, a different type of road rage. It's like parking rage, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. Parking well, rage well, it can, can be, even be worse. crazy. Yeah, it can be even worse than road rage. Well, particularly when this guy had nothing to gain by keeping me out. It's just, you give well, some people at home. Well, he's following rules. No, well, he was just doing his job. Here's what yeah. it happened. I believe that someone told him He that. doesn't like, he's anti-Semitic? No. No? Um, he, he, now, he didn't know I was Jewish, but he, the two guys that are Mexican were up front. So I, I, I'm not saying anything. So he was building a wall. I, he was building a wall. He wasn't going to let us. <laughs> that was, that's right. That's he's right. He's building a wall around right. his little parking, parking lot, his booth. parking domain. Because you know, yeah. a lot of people have no power in their lives. Yeah. And then you give them a little bit of power, and man, oh man, they're gonna, they're just gonna, yeah, just, well, I understand just, that. just squeeze look, it for all they look can. Look at our president. Uh, yeah. 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 Look at our president. Yeah. For sure. You know. 
Oh, holy cow. But, you know, speaking of rage and stuff, Uh we're going to get to our guest. I'm excited uh, about our guest. Yes, very shortly. Um, Speaking of rage and parking lot rage, Mm. I had a road rage incident just a few days ago. Okay. Well, yeah, I get them all the time. (laughs) But this one... um, the guy, I'm like, uh, I'll just get to the point. Mm-hmm. The guy, like, rolls down his window and says, You fucking douchebag. And I'm thinking to myself, I was like, I think it's a good thing to be a douchebag, don't you think? I mean, for a guy, don't you want to be a douchebag? You want to be right in there? Well, <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm sure he didn't mean it like that. But, you know? But I, 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 see, I see your point. Yeah, but, uh, I think yeah, yeah. I, I, so I just smiled at him. Right on. But, you know, because... Well, that's a good disarming yeah, way to, to handle people anyway. Yeah, you know? I think, you know, looking back, I think it's a good thing. Okay. You know, if someone calls you a douchebag, well... Hey, thumbs up to that. Okay, nation. I'm a guy. Okay. You know, I'm a guy. Right, and right, troubled right. nation. It's yeah, okay to be a douchebag. Yeah, bag. Don't, don't, if people say that to you, just let it roll yeah, off your back. You know? Yeah, It's water off a duck's back. Right, yeah. Okay, well, it's... I just some, think it's a good place n- to be. news you can use, man. You yeah. know? I like that. Okay, should we get right to our guest here? Sure. So, uh, our guest is, a, is from a long line of, of Biloxi artists. So... Gulf Coast, uh, uh, Mississippi artist. His grandmother was Dusty Bonger, the actress and, and painter. She painted, had a long career uh, from, from the late 20s to the early 90s. His grandfather was Archie Bonger, who was a New York painter and, and uh, known as a cowboy painter. He painted a lot of Western scenes. And then uh, our guest's father was Lyle Bonger, who I met the family through. He was a photographer who at some point took a very famous photograph uh, that was on the cover of Esquire magazine of a, uh, the head of a corpse from the uh, Gerard Street Cemetery, which is where the Superdome is built over. Um, so I became acquainted with his family through, through his father, Lyle. Um, and they uh, aren't douchebags. They're, they're not. No, no they're, they're salt of the earth. Uh, and a really a, Proudly. a real family of, of artists. Uh, um, and, and our guest is a, is a, a great photographer. He's, they also have, they're, they're real renaissance people. In, in terms, his father was a, was a, a, a boat builder, a sailor, uh, you know, tree surgeon at times, did a whole bunch of different things, an uh, investor. Uh, uh, our guest is, is a uh, ceramicist, uh, photographer, um, uh, understand a race car driver, and, 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 and he, uh, he's the executor of the, of the, uh, the, the whole repository, the foundation of, of their family, uh, Dusty Bonger Foundation. And, and uh, so anyway, without further ado, Mr. Paul Bonger. Welcome, Paul. Thank you, Renee. Thank you, Manny. It's a real pleasure to be here. Yeah, and, man. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to interject there, but I didn't want to lay into your no, uh, please. Bit here. Yeah, no, we uh, don't mind. But you know, I think shaving of the pubes for women uh, demystified it. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, somehow I feel like uh, we've lost something. We've lost something. Mm-hmm. There's it's lost some some mystery. unknoble yeah, the, thing, the, the mystery of it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. the pubes are there for a reason. It yes. does make it look larger, though, no matter yeah. what. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On both sides. On yeah, both yeah, sides, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it's there for a reason. It's there to protect, you know. It's right. there yes. to, you know, yeah. it's there to protect. But, like, my whole point was, it was like... Keeps you from getting too close to the campfire. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, my whole point was, you know, my junk couldn't breathe. I mean, right. it was, yeah. right. it was, it was so, so fucking hot, hot yeah. here the last oh, two absolutely. weeks. absolutely. And yeah, I just had to do it, you know. Yeah, I had to do it. <laughs> push came I, to I shove. Feel, I feel push came to yeah. shove, and uh, you know, <laughs> hey nation, you know, go go on our Facebook page and admit that you've done it. Okay. You know, people have done it. And, and and check out my haircut and see if you have any suggestions over a better shape that I should. Right. Should, should, uh, it's it's still going to look like a hat. It's still going to look like <laughs> yeah. some sort of hat. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think you're right, Paul. Yeah. I don't think there's any yeah. getting around it. Uh, Okay, so I'm 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 uh, deflecting here. So right. where should we start? Well, um, <laughs> you, you want to talk a little bit about uh, about your grandmother, about Dusty. She started off as she was a and and an Archie, the painter. He sure, was, sure. So he was a painter, and she was an actress. Right, right. In I'll, New York City. I can give you the quick okay, the I'll let quick you do synopsis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, she was really very much ahead of her time, and it displayed that it displayed itself early on. Is your career. grandmother? My grandmother. Okay, so we're talking what, like silent films or? Silent films. Okay, okay, So uh, 
She was born in 1903 in Biloxi, Mississippi, to uh, a banking family. Her father started the People's Bank of Biloxi. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there was a certain position the family had in uh, the community. And by the time she was eight or nine years old, she was enamored of acting, and she built her own sets. She decorated her own sets. She made the costumes. She wrote the plays, and she had the neighborhood kids acting in the plays. She collected the admission. It was a penny for children and five cents for adults. And the people sat on the front porch, and the play was conducted in the foyer of the house on the beach which is two doors down from the White House Hotel, which was built when she was a child. Oh, wow, yeah. So she had, in the book that just came out, Dusty Bonger, Art and Life, uh, written by my good friend Richard Gruber, Beautiful who's book. Uh, director emeritus of the Ogden Museum, Yes. Uh, that plug done, uh, he writes very beautifully about the fact that Dusty could not have helped but be influenced by so much variety in culture, not just Gulf Coast culture, but the fact that the uh, snowbirds were coming down in the winter and spending the winters down here. Mm-hmm. Biloxi was a spa town at the White House Hotel. Musicians from Chicago and New Orleans. So she was getting jazz and uh, early blues right. uh, coming there. And you would hear it two yards away. Mm-hmm wafting through the air and the oak trees. And so she had this influence early on. So she was enamored of acting and did what I you know, said she did about doing her own plays. By the time she was 16 and ready to graduate from high school, she announced she was going to Chicago to study acting. And of course, her father, being a reserved Southern gentleman of some stature in the community, said, uh, you know, no daughter of mine is going to do that. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, her mother, my great-grandmother, was a feisty French woman from Louisiana. The town of Eunice, Louisiana is named after my great-great-great-grandmother. Oh, okay. Uh, and wow. they were plantation owners uh, uh, in central Louisiana. And, and she that's grew up Dusty's in, real name. That's Dusty's actual first name is Eunice, right? Is Eunice, yes. Okay. Eunice, Sorry, Eunice Lyle. So right. Lyle was her mother, her grandmother's married name. Okay. So anyway, so young Eunice or Dusty decides she's going to run off, and the very pragmatic, very feisty little French woman uh, that was her mother brokered a deal saying, you know, if you do this, when she does get free, she will never come back. Mm-hmm. So the deal was four-year college, and then you can go to Chicago. And he counted it up, okay, 17, 18, 19, 20. Okay, I can accept that. Yeah. So she gets out of college, a four-year college, with a full degree in two years and two months. Oh, wow. And then she's at 19, 19, yeah, yeah she's only 19. Is, uh, in she's Chicago, gone, 18 yeah. turning 19, she's in Chicago. And, uh, and it's rolling, it's rocking. It's rolling, and choking, it's 22 yeah. she got oh, to yeah. Chicago. 19, 20, 22, yeah. 23 so she got no there. There's no prohibition, there's yeah. fucking, uh, the, what's that? The mob Dan, is in yeah, full control. Yeah, the mob, Al Capone, everything. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, the, whatever, the flappers the and flappers you know, all of and that. All yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And Good so she studied at the Lyceum Theater Arts Conservatory. And mutual friends, while she was there, friends of hers said, oh, there's this great guy, six foot seven tall, cowboy from Nebraska. He's a painter. You need to meet him. He's amazing. His friends are saying, God, there's this fiery redhead with blue eyes. She's incredible. So they meet in Chicago. Mm. Later, she travels a show out west that makes the loop, the Chautauqua circuit, and otherwise makes the loop, comes back to Chicago. In the meantime, he thought, well, she's gone. He goes to New York to study at the Art Students League mm-hmm. in 24, 25. She follows on to New York because that's where everything is happening. And they're introduced again by mutual friends. Wow. And they thought, okay, this is destiny, and right. we really do kind of like each other. <laughs> and that was that. How tall was she? He was six seven. She said? was uh, five nine, I believe. Okay, so fairly great, tall yeah. in those days for a, for a woman. Right. And yeah, uh, very statuesque and so elegant. Going back to when she was like six eight years old, she's putting on productions with the local kids. She's yeah. Writing. She's building sets. She's like the Louis B. Mayer of her day. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Biloxi's Louis B. Mayer. Yeah, That's our Irving claim to fame. Thalberg, just, yeah, yeah. Screw that painting stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's not going to take no for an answer. Right. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. Okay, well, good for her. Yeah, and so she was, uh, then she started acting on stage in New York and working at Astoria Studios. Uh, at one point, 
She had directors and producers sending private rail cars for her to travel, and she was hotly pursued. And uh, her final role, she went to turn down uh, because she found out she was pregnant. She'd married my grandfather in 28 mm -hmm. at that point. And, uh, Spartacus? Yeah, right. She played the lead. She had a huge, she had a <laughs> yeah, crater in yeah, her chin, yeah. I'm telling you. Kirk Douglas had nothing on her. But uh, yeah, and, that, and they said, oh, no, you can't do that. We don't have an understudy. This is the part that's going to make your career. And she said, no, uh, actors are vain, self-centered people and not very interesting to talk to. And okay. she, she kept a few actor friends over the years that she stayed in touch with. But yeah. she said, for the most part, you know, they really only wanted to talk about themselves. Right. And uh, she wasn't interested in that. She was mm -hmm. going to be a mother. And uh, they got a firebrand 19-year-old who was about six years her junior uh, who had just made a splash on Broadway to... Uh, replace her in the play. Sophie Tucker? Who looked exactly, I don't know Sophie Tucker, but who looked exactly like her. Oh, okay. Catherine Hepburn. Oh, okay. So Catherine and Hepburn it, was a Dusty Bonger type. Yeah, <laughs> Dusty oh, Bonger okay. type. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, that's, the, that's that part of the story. And she uh, uh, gave up acting and uh, started playing around with uh, drawing and things like that with him. And when they moved back to Biloxi after my father was born, they moved uh, in 34. My father would have been about five. Mm -hmm. uh, he died two years later from what was later discovered to be Lou Gehrig's disease. Her husband, Archie. Archie. Your, gran your yeah. grandfather was, was... Right, yeah, not my father because, yeah. Right, right. No, I, no, I performed a miracle by being here tonight, let yeah. me tell you. <laughs> no, no, your grandfather. Um, yeah, exactly. So, and so and your, when your father was still a young boy, uh, he, uh, his father passed away. Right. Yeah, he was seven. So right. yeah, and but so uh, all he remembers is that uh, what impressed him about his father uh, was they were walking to the bay in Biloxi, and in those days where they lived, there was nothing but open fields and pecan orchards to the north, and so they were walking as they were walking through the country, mm -hmm. and he said, uh, "Lyle, stop! Wait, wait." And he said, my father just unzipped his pants and laid that thing out. And he said it fell almost to his damn knee and just <laughs> peed right there in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> hey, you got to go. You got to go. You got to go. Yeah, you got to yeah. go. Yeah, and he was a cowboy from Nebraska. Yeah, like, you know, and you got to pee, you pee. Yeah, Did, yeah, yeah. Was he shaved? Didn't need to. I, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Didn't gotta, need to. Yeah, gotta, didn't need that, to look any yeah, bigger. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's that huge. Who, who needs? A, who needs another inch, man? Or you um, might have been, and that's what you know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that was the shocking part for a while. Shocking part. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so maybe that's why she left acting, huh? <laughs> well, well, she, she was yeah, clearly she, in she, love with she, with. she with never with remarried husband. after that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but so they're back living in her um, her ancestral home back in Biloxi, right, right, and in the the bosom of her family, and. Uh, she starts painting with her husband to right. hang out with him in the studio. Right. She felt like, you know, they knew he was not well and that he was probably dying. And she thought he looked really lonely out there. Mm -hmm. She would keep him company. And so he would, he would give her instruction and uh, sort of tell her different techniques and say, look, honey, if you, if you come down when you make that line, it's a lot easier to get a beautiful curve to it or instead of going up. Mm -hmm. But if you want to go up, you can do it in two or three strokes and it gets a different thing. Mm -hmm. Probably there was some of that. I don't know. She sure. never talked much about that. She said she painted with Archie. She learned some things from him. Right. And he told her never to study. take formal study. Yeah, yeah. He had been at the... Uh, uh, in Chicago at the Institute mm -hmm. studying. He studied at uh, Philadelphia uh, Institute uh, with Walter Anderson. And Dusty had grown up with Walter Anderson uh -huh. on the coast, but they didn't figure out that they both knew him That's so until they were ready to get married. And he said, my best man is going to be Walter Anderson. I believe he's from down on the coast. Uh, and she said, yeah, well, I've known him since I'm five. Yeah, sure, I know Walter, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, world. yeah. So uh, she continued on. He died, and my father always liked to tell the story that my grandfather died and my grandmother rose like a phoenix from the ashes as a full-fledged painter, which yeah. is not correct. He, but it's, she, it's mythic. But it's, it is mythic, yeah, and yeah. she did do that to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Once he died, she didn't look back. She started painting and never stopped. 
and and so and she's an active painter from the the late twenties through, and she so she has her first more, more so from the mid thirties, mid thirties, really, right? Yeah. But so she has like her her first uh, uh, solo show in like nineteen thirty nine, or not not first show, but but she has a show at the Contemporary Art Gallery in New York City in nineteen thirty nine. Thirty nine, yeah, and she uh, she met and knew Betty Parsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, even then, right. and Betty Parsons was working for Mortimer Rent Gallery, and she went off on her own, and Dusty went with her. So she was represented by the premier gallery uh, in the world for abstract expressionism right. from 1942-43 when she went with uh, Betty. Yeah. And uh, she had her first solo show in 54 or 56, okay. I think, with Betty. But she showed... Every two years with Betty in group shows with her friends Barney Newman and Mark Rothko, uh, Arthur Dove, mm-hmm. uh, all those different. She would have tea with Arthur Dove when she went, went to New York. So was back then, I'm sure there was still some kind of prejudice towards women artists mm. in many ways. Was there? Still there? Is. Yeah, you yeah. know, I guess, I, I don't know, you, it, it is a prejudice uh, you know, I never sort of called it that. There was just, you know, there was a clear line, especially with the ABEX movement coming out at beginning really after the war. It was an explosion of, of sort of modernist expression after the war in the early 50s. It really took hold and began to began to no, take I'm just off. Curious, and it was a boys' club. I mean, do you? They, yeah, they well, yeah, drank, they club. smoked, yeah. they hung out at the bar. And right. women didn't do that. So, so much. Well, well, they still smoke and drank. They just yeah. didn't do it with the boys. You know, so I, that's my whole thing is exactly. That was there any, you know, not prejudice, but just like you know, resistance. Yeah, resistance to them because I've seen, you know. You know, uh, I never got that uh, uh, inclination from Dusty. I mean, she would talk about Barney and Mark, and she did make a comment about Jackson. She said, you know, uh, Jackson was a very fine painter and quite brilliant. But he was an irascible, unpleasant character at the best of times, and then he was drunk. You're talking about Pollock. Pollock, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah okay. And she said, you know, Jackson would be irascible and difficult at the best of times, and then he would get drunk. Yeah. And she said he was intolerable, so she right. really didn't have much to do with him. But right. she was fr- very good friends with Barney Newman and uh, Rothko, uh, Theodoro Stamos, who was one of the young Excellent. guys in yeah. that group. Uh, who was Pollock's uh, g- girl? What was her? she? Was also an artist. What was uh, her name? Yeah, Lee Krasner. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now, did she? Yeah, did she any stories about her? Uh, not Is really. That she just I mean, put up with Jackson. Yeah, she <laughs> kind of put up with Jackson, and they yeah. they spent a lot of time on Long Island uh, right. at that time. Right, right, right. And right. Dusty didn't see him that much uh, uh-huh. in in Manhattan. But also, Dusty was living on the coast and would only go up every second year for her show. For shows, right, right. Yeah. right. Okay. So, uh, but Dusty had the kind of personality that she wasn't going to let anyone's attitude get in her way. She was, you know, oh, clearly yeah. she was someone of great determination and, you know, mm, yes, self-motivation. And, uh, Real self-motivation. If Dusty saw something being done... And figured, you know, I can hold that right over there, or I can move this there, and it'll mm-hmm. make their job easier. She would go across the street to help somebody. Wow. Uh, in the family, as a teenager, it was intolerable because, of course, as a teenager, I was a bit angsty, and I don't want to work. It's Saturday. Uh-huh. You know, I, I don't. She said, we're raking the grass. We're picking up leaves. Your father is trimming limbs. Come outside and go to work. Yeah. And, you know, I would piddle around and not do stuff and try and kill time. And she would say, honey, the longer you work without stopping, the sooner you get done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I, hate, which I hated. Right, But sure. I adore it now because yes. it's absolutely true. Yes. Yeah, you know, great, <laughs> you know, great Just get started. Good do advice. It, and, you know, don't yeah, stop right. and you'll be done before you know it. Right. That's why I try to, my daughter's the same way. It's like, you know, you can get this done in 10, 15 minutes if you just do it. Just do it. Just yeah. do it. You know, well, that's a whole other story. Oh, yeah. Well, My wife and child, they don't listen to me at all. They're, they're really trying your patience. As always. Uh, yeah. So that's why you spend every Tuesday night in this padded yeah, cell that I we're in, right? spend every night yeah. in a padded cell. <laughs> this yeah. this is the one where yeah. let him out of the house. Yeah, he, has, exactly. he has his own private one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. His own yeah. private yeah. Idaho back over there in Mid-City. Right. But... Uh, but yeah, you know, and I see, you know, we have the uh, the Midnight Cowboy is here in evidence, not not oh, physically, yeah, yeah, but he's got yeah. his uh, all of his accoutrement over there. 
Well, um, he's got his, uh, uh, what do they call that at McDonald's? The uh, Not the Happy Meal, but he's... The Unhappy Meal. This <laughs> yeah, is Troubled yeah. Men. Yeah, he's... <laughs> he, uh, the the, the Supersize Meal. Uh, yeah, Supersize, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah he's got and a, he's doing the plant burger. You know, the, 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 oh, it's a oh, new the, thing. The non-meat oh, burger? Yeah, where it's made of plants. And that, to me, is like, you know... Uh, yeah, uh, well, 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 wasn't the knock against uh, McDonald's hamburgers that they didn't have any meat in yeah. them to begin with? So it's people. It's people. It's people. <laughs> yeah. Soil and green is people. Yeah. It's soybean, yeah, ground up yeah. soybeans with a little bit of horse. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and some of my elbow. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea what that means. But anyway, so let's get back to you and your Paul artist Bonjour. family. Yes. So um, when do you now? When do you start getting into it? I'm, am I fast forwarding? I don't know, but well, I mean, you could go chronologically. So then, uh, yeah. along the along the way here, Lyle grows up, your father. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he becomes a photographer, and he spends okay. a lot of time down in New Orleans, and he's he's becomes one of the first people, or you know, a person to to chronicle a certain part of Mardi Gras, the lower quarter, kind of uh, that had been ignored yeah, by yeah. a lot of photographers. Yeah, he was he was uh, he was staying out of World War II at that point, and okay. then Korea, uh, more so Korea. Really, he was uh, in his twelfth year of college, got a master's degree in oh, English. Oh, so he was a guy who stayed in school to stay away to from stay the war. Away Good from for war. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah smart guy. Yeah, Korea smart kicked guy. up immediately after yeah, right, after yeah, World right, War yeah, II. World, World's War II, as yeah. Southerners say. Okay. Uh, um, anyway, so he was in his twelfth year, getting a master's degree and. English grammar, mm-hmm. which is completely useless right. as far as he was concerned. <laughs> but, yeah, know, I was hell, just about to say. He, might he as well. spoke beautifully. Yeah. He did have a beautiful speaking yeah. voice. And uh, spoke correctly. Yes, uh, yes. He really enunciated. So Speak correctly. Speak. Spoke. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, he's dead now, so he spoke. So we can, yeah. well, we can talk shit about him. Then. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what we're doing, right? We're, I'm making stuff up as I go, right? If Lyle were here, he, he could talk shit with the best of them. Okay. Lyle well, no, we me would of all like, be completely silent, and he would hold court for as long hours. as you let him. Right, yeah. right, yeah, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, Lyle was like a, uh, and that's who I first met. You know, I went and interviewed him, and he, and he spoke. I was uh, living in France or working oh, okay. on ships overseas, yeah. Right, right. Well, we have to get to that, too, because that fascinates me, this, this uh, uh, you know, sailing through line. Well, you guys lived right on the water. I guess it's yeah. not yeah. such grew a big up, story. Grew up sailing, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, your father was a very, Lyle was very much of a, uh, like a Hemingway-type character, you know, a man's man, like a yeah. Yeah, he, he hated the man. comparison because he also kind of looked like Hemingway kinda in later like years. Kind of looked like Hemingway. <laughs> uh, you know, and, uh, you know, he, he said, was, I'm not competing with anybody, well, and no, they're not but, competing with me. But, yeah, he was. You're abso- he was, a, lift, he was your, lift your right foot up. There you go. Thank you. You are on my court. Now lift your left foot up. You're about to do the hokey oh, pokey. No I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he's clean. All right. So, so what happens? How do you get into it? So what happens? You know what? How do Maybe I get we into should it? take a break. That sounds good. Let's, yeah. let's take a break. We're going to take a break. we get another drink. We always, uh, nation. Oh, you guys are running out. See, I was husbanding my beer. Yeah, yeah, You got catch up. Yeah, you're going to have to jump. Oh, you have your sandwich. I have a sandwich. Yeah, eat up, man. Okay, nation, we'll, we're we're gonna take a little break and we'll be right back. All right, later. And we're back, back in the ring room. Yeah. Back with Manny Chevrolet. Yeah. I am Renee Coman. Back with our guest, Mr. Paul Banger. So, Manny, did you have uh, some, something you wanted to touch on before we launch back into the the Banger saga? Um. You want to um, think about that? You want to? Well, the only thing I wanted to really mm-hmm. say was, but I don't want to say it tonight. Maybe okay. I'll save it for when I'm really angry. Okay, good, good, good. Let's okay, do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, want, I don't really want you to come off half cocked here. Yeah. <laughs> what I do want to talk about. Well, I is, mean, you yeah. know, it could have been a shaving accident. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Talk about half cocked. Yeah. Okay, we're like <laughs> callback. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nicely done, sir. We're we're like into football season, mm-hmm. and this is something I want to talk about a few weeks ago when we were into preseason football. Right. Preseason football, mm-hmm. and you know, um, the something only the nation is is definitely uh, focused on right now. Yeah, pre- now pre, yeah, they're, yeah. No, but, I mean football in general. Yeah, football uh, in general. But I was watching. I don't understand, you know, how these players, like the the favorite guy down here, Drew Brees, mm-hmm. he he didn't play one down of preseason football, but he suited up 
for every game. Yes. You know, and it was like, what's the point, dude? He's so wound up. Look, so he's injured right now. He had a thumb injury, like snap, yeah. snap that uh, the tendon that that allows you to I think it was chronic grip. masturbation. Could have been, could have been, could have been. Yeah, he's yeah. a Christian. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Some of them really like that spandex too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, so uh, I don't understand why he dresses up for preseason. Well, what I was going to say is, even you know, he's he's not allowed to suit up now because he's he's on injured reserve. He's watching every play like he's ready to get in. He doesn't have pads on. He doesn't have a helmet. He's so it's he's he's an animal for this. He's he's so wound up into it. He's he's like almost making the motion. It's it's, it's well, like when I watch MMA, I'm, I'm I find myself twisting and turning on the yeah. on the on the sofa as if you know I'm going but, to be know, able to but, turn the, the guy's uh, weight. But, you know, just just it's it's involuntary. I can't. Uh, so he's, like, the I was thing. watching this preseason game where he's dressed up. Mm-hmm. And they say, they announce, like, two days before the game, he's not playing. Right, right, right. And they announce two days before the game, the opposing quarterback's not playing. Right. He's opposing dressed quarter- up, too. No? He's, no, he's in shorts and a hat and oh, a T-shirt. Oh, okay, well, and, yeah. you know, Drew's ready to go. He's, yeah, Drew, I guess he was ready to go, but I guess because, you know, I, he had to bring his Bible. Maybe because he's about the Bible and stuff like that. Well, you know? he's, he's about God, yeah. country, family. He's, he's yeah. a real true blue. He's a horrible kind of tipper. A, okay. And well, he should fucking that. do something with that mark on his face. He's a millionaire. Well, Get something done with that thing on his face. It's kind of his trademark, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's like, like His Gorbachev, trademark maybe. is a joke. Let me just put it that okay. way. All right. So go on. Let's go on. That's all I wanted to talk <laughs> okay, about. Okay, good. Glad, yeah. we, glad we got to clear, yeah. <laughs> clear the yeah. deck for that so one. much better. Yeah, yeah. It could be these drinks. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, for sure they're helping. Yeah, they, they, yeah. they always do. Why doesn't he bring his Bible to the game? He tells the kids to bring their Bible to school. And yeah, he, maybe he's got yeah. it backstage or back, uh, what do they call yeah. it? The locker room. Yeah, the locker room. <laughs> backstage. Yeah, backstage, yeah. Yeah, yeah In the right. green room, yeah. you know. There's a green room and a locker room. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Same diff, right? Um, so, so Paul, you grew up uh, on, in uh, in in um, Biloxi. You you go to school mm-hmm. there the whole time. They ship you off to boarding school, perhaps. No, go maybe. to school there the whole time. Oh, okay. Yeah. But at some point, you so a, as a teenager, you're you're sailing all the time with Lyle. Or you oh got, yeah, from he, the time I was from the time I was tiny. I think the first trip I did uh, on the boat uh, on his sailboat uh, with the family. I was two or three years old, maybe. Uh-huh. Uh, and where would you guys go? Ship Island, Horn Island, mm-hmm. uh, just for a sail. Right. Uh, but you've sailed then, as far as, like, other... You've sailed to Central America or something with Lyle, right? I mean, uh, we went... Uh, we did uh, two summers in the Bahamas. Okay. Uh, on that very same boat. Who's Lyle again? His father. father. Okay. That's the, father. the, the okay. son of, of uh, Dusty. The, okay. the child who is... Who is the reason, that, like she, that the, the first child of, of Archie and Dusty, which uh, causes them to, uh, causes uh, Catherine Hepburn to get the role. Exactly. And okay, causes them uh, to move yeah, back. I'm, so, I'm yeah. caught up. Right, right. Yeah, there we I'm go. Yeah. So, so the, the sailing tradition in, in the Bonger family, did, did that pre, uh, was that from, from Dusty's family? Were they already mariners uh, no, or not, sailors? No, not really. I mean, uh, Dusty did uh, in looking through archival material, mm-hmm. getting this book together. We, right. uh, Beautiful book, by the way. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And it went along and with, with this great uh, uh, survey or retrospective, I don't know what you'd call it, but the huge yeah, show yeah. that they had at the Ogden that, that shown fr- showed from like uh, the middle of April until it just ended September 8th, I think. Right, yeah. Fantastic. So a good, a good like, long run, a like, whole fifth floor, or ma- third, whatever it was. It was like, I don't know, yeah. 50 paintings or something? Uh, it was a lot. It was a, there a, were, I think there were close to 70 paintings, 70 and paintings. then with all the other works, uh, up to about 85 or 90. Incredible, total. man. Yeah. No, Incredible. It was, it was uh, yeah, yeah. really, really a fantastic show. Uh, the curator there did a, did a beautiful job. Yes, Beautifully and his name... Uh, 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 Bradley Summerall. Bradley, yes, yeah. yes. And... Uh, so, yeah, Richard did uh, a really beautiful job writing it. We spent about three and a half, four years on the project. Mm. And going through archival material, uh, we discovered uh, he wanted to speak to the present owner of the house she grew up in, which is mm. her nep- Dusty's nephew, okay. my cousin. And uh, his wife said, 
oh, you know, I have one or two family albums that survived Katrina. The oh. house was almost completely destroyed in Katrina. Mm-hmm. And uh, she brought them out, and I took, them, took the albums and scanned on my uh, archiving scanner oh, okay. in my studio, scanned uh, all of the photographs. Nice. And one of the ones I was cleaning, I had blown up on the, on the computer, and I was working on cleaning it, uh, was of Dusty and her father. And uh, they were standing on the deck of a ship. Oh, wow. In Hansboro, Mississippi in 1917. And I'm looking at the photograph, and I've got it blown up, so everything is really pixelated. Mm-hmm. I'm getting all the little bits of grit and trash out of it. Right. And I zoomed back out a bit, and I looked, and I said, she's holding a wooden mallet behind her back. Yeah. Just see the head of the mallet and then the handle sticking out the other side. I th- and then at that moment... We were not a very sentimental family. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, you know, the only one that's more sentimental about family history than anybody else was. But Dusty occasionally, when I was young, would bring out the family albums and look at pictures and tell me what they were and who that was mm-hmm. and tell me stories of the family history. My father never had a family photograph on a wall in his house yeah. or a piano. <laughs> Just we didn't couldn't have a be piano. bothered, yeah. No, couldn't be bothered. I mean, that's past. It's done. Right. I remember it. Who cares? Right. Uh, and uh, so I'm looking at this, Feelings and mutual. it yeah. suddenly comes flooding <laughs> back to me. after your own heart. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. And I was nearly overwhelmed, really. It was a very emotional moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't get all sappy, but mm. it was a meaningful moment because all of a sudden I remembered a story that Dusty had told me when I was six or seven or eight years old of launching a ship when she was a child. And she wow. said, my father was very important in the community, and they invited him to preside over the launching of a ship. And one of the shipyard workers came up to me and said, Little Miss, would you like to help us launch this ship? And she said, I felt so powerful. Yeah. 14 years old, and I knocked one of the wedges out with my mallet. And she oh, said, okay. of course, there were 30 other shipyard workers around the ship knocking out wedges. But she said she felt like she launched the whole ship by herself. And, right and then later years, uh, spending over two decades on big sailing ships, square rig ships, in museum restoration uh, at San Francisco Maritime Museum, the Alyssa. This is you. Uh, and you're me, about. the Alyssa right. in Galveston, Texas. I've got a really good sense, and I'm looking at this photograph, and my grandfather was nearly, my great grandfather, her father, mm-hmm. was nearly six feet tall. Right. And the deck house is above his waist, so the deck house at the stern of the ship where they're standing was four feet above the deck. And I'm looking at the bow of the ship and these full-grown pine trees that are just barely sticking up above the bow of the ship. It was a 300-foot-long ship. I never imagined that we launch ships that big right. in Back Bay in right, Biloxi. Right. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The water is shallow around there. Right. But obviously, there was a thriving shipbuilding community at the turn of the century. Yeah. It's so fascinating. It but, is fascinating. Yeah. So, so you spent, how long was your, was your uh, career as a mariner? You, you spent many years, uh, and, and, what, and what jobs did you do? What, what well, I, I started in, uh, in 1984. My stepmother was uh, uh, a doctor in New York, and she had gone on uh, Marjorie Merriweather Post's former yacht, which was being operated as a cruise ship mm-hmm. uh, by a German company then, uh, Sea Cloud. And it was a four-masted bark, they call it, a four-masted square rig ship. Oh, wow. And uh, she said, oh, you've always been interested in this. Why don't you write him a letter? I got the information from the chief mate. So I wrote a letter to the company that managed the crew and never heard anything back. And, of course, I wrote all of my experience. How old were you at this time? I was uh, in my early 20s. Okay. And you'd been uh, sailing with Lyle since been sailing with Lyle since I was a kid, yeah. 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 And so I wrote, you know, I did six months in the Bahamas sailing on a small boat and listed all my experience, and I can tie all my knots and, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, never heard back. And I was fixing one of Lyle's rail houses next door to his house and uh, up on the roof, nailing down a new roof. And my dad called me, you've got a phone call. And I went inside, and I answered the phone, 
and this very distinguished English voice, the crew managers uh, were a company in England, this distinguished English voice came on and said, Mr. Bonger, this is Danny Hare of Unishipping Services Limited. Uh, may I ask you two questions? And I was kind of stunned. I said, uh, yes. He said, uh, are you afraid of heights and can you fly on Wednesday? <laughs> and I said, no and yes. I hung up the phone after getting the flight information. And my father was looking at me. He said, you little bastard, you better sleep with one eye open or I'm going to kill you and take your job. Oh, wow. Oh, really? <laughs> He was, he was so he was jealous. So jealous. I, you're going <laughs> to sail a square rig ship. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So I went on as a, just as a deck-in, okay. you know, uh, chipping rust and painting uh -huh. and scraping and sanding right. and varnishing and uh, doing all of that. And then... And this was a, a ship that, that uh, they would take passengers on? Take passengers. We operated in the Caribbean uh, and the Mediterranean. So oh. that started my transatlantic careers, okay. uh, which over... Over a period of time, so I did dozens of Atlantic crossings. how much drugs did you smuggle? Because <laughs> you're doing it, man. Not, not enough, yeah. Not, not enough. enough. <laughs> yeah, not enough. All right, good. Well, been listen, more, my yeah. older brother was the, was the drug smuggler uh, in the family. He and a, a, a buddy from University of Houston... Uh, my older brother Go is, Cougars Go yeah. Cougars yeah my, yeah my older brother is uh, is quite the competitive sailor and he won the Admiral's Cup one year Cows Race Week and oh, wow. uh, so he's been quite the competitive sailor and uh, he and a buddy of his uh, his buddy had bought a small little wooden boat and they yeah. spent the they spent the summer fixing the boat here at a boat yard and took off for Columbia why? I wonder why. I have no idea. Just like Columbia, here the beaches are amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Good music. they did a couple of trips and retired. Yeah. Okay. Get out while the getting's good. Yeah. But you know, growing up with my dad, I mean, my older brother showed up when he was about fourteen, and. So he's a, he's a half-brother, so he came before me. So he was about 14 when he showed up. But he, you know, uh, yeah, and he was around when my father was arrested in Mexico and thrown in federal penitentiary for <laughs> smuggling pre-Columbian artifacts. Oh, wow. And my dad always said that he was the only vertically integrated uh, ex <laughs> archaeological exposition, expedition in Mexico yeah. because he employed everyone from all walks of life and uh -huh. all social strata. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, so your dad did time? He ran, uh, yeah, about three weeks. Oh, okay. They, That's yeah, not they too really bad. didn't want him. Yeah. And, uh, he was a handful. Yeah. You know, <laughs> more than they had bargained for. Yeah. yeah, he was voted uh, uh, most humorous prison, uh, okay. Veracruz, uh, most humorous prisoner yeah. at Veracruz Penitentiary. Well, that was a good yearbook. Because photo, he took yeah. all of his uh, uh, southern landowner and field hand jokes where the field hand out. Smart, smart, landowner, the landowner right. and makes a fool out of him. And he turned them into Spaniards and Mexicans. Okay. Because he was fluent in Spanish. And so he How turned. How did he become fluent in Spanish? He loved the language and from high school through college studied it voraciously. Wow, man. And then uh, still running away from the war, as we were talking about right, before right, the break. Right. Was in uh, Mexico, right? He went to Mexico and majored in archaeology and bullfights. He in, said he hardly, bullfights. Went to, he hardly went to college. <laughs> he was most of the time at the bullfights, but he was there to hone his language. Bullfighting is a beautiful thing to watch. I think it's gorgeous. It, it, it is. I mean, I completely understand. Uh, I don't uh, have a problem with it. I understand yeah, the, I, I the, think the problem I, people have with it. But as a young time, kid, I went to many bullfights in Mexico. Really? My grandparents took me. Oh, really? Me, they yeah, took you're, me. You're, tell, tell them about your parents. Your grandparents yeah, are please, from Zacatecas. Please. Yeah, well, my... My grandfather's from Zacatecas, Mexico. Oh, really? And uh, his grandmother played button accordion. Now that you know that, you're gonna die. No. no. <laughs> we're, we're all gonna die, yeah, man. No, you're it gonna be shot. I hate to, yeah. to break it to you. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, I know but, we're uh, gonna die. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. no. But bullfighting, I thought. I could see now with PETA and all that kind of stuff. But as a kid, at 10 years old, I thought it was very romantic. Fascinating, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's fascinating. Well, and, Ava and, Gabor, you know, was, you know, was stolen from uh, Frank Sinatra by a bullfighter, famously. Ah, uh, I don't right. know. Maybe yep. not so Green famously. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Renee. Uh, I don't know what your point. No, yeah. Ava Gardner. Par Ava, Ava Gardner, Gardner. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Not Ava Gabor. Ava she was on Green Acres. <laughs> I know. Right? Sorry. <laughs> all right. Uh, Frank yeah. didn't if give a fuck. You fucked her. You didn't give a fuck right, right. about if, her. If that's the right? only mistake I make tonight, I'm, yeah. I'm in good shape. All right. Um, 
but we were talking about uh, your sailing career, and and um, oh, well, well, I was going to jump back to so when when Lyle was in uh, Mexico, that's when he starts taking photographs. So is is that correct? Yeah, yeah, he started uh, taking photographs then. He'd been doing a little bit of it before, but in Mexico, I think he bought his first camera. Uh, and started photographing uh, in Mexico around that time. And, then and they went down and got him and sent him to Korea. Right, right. Oh, he, he ultimately <laughs> had to go. He, he ultimately to... had to go to Korea. <laughs> oh, okay. He was with a forward construction battalion. Oh, jeez. And uh, he was very proud that, uh, that uh, he had been demoted by some... Uh, the... the Officers, the lower rank officers, the lieutenants, and sometimes the captains, were usually World War II retreads at mm -hmm. that time, who had been NCOs, maybe made a three-stripe okay. sergeant position, uh, because they weren't really smart enough to mm -hmm. promote field, promote up to an officer. So right. they might max out their sergeant, get five stripes. Non-commissioned officers. They came home, non-commissioned officers. They would come home then, and if they had a, a family member in politics or even closely related mm. to politics, they would join the National Guard okay. and immediately get promoted to lieutenant and captain. So then Korea comes along and these NCOs are now officers, field uh -huh. officers uh, in Korea. And Lyle said he really had a hard time with them because you know, Lyle was a nonconformist and uh -huh. really wanted to live his own life and yeah. didn't really fit into this structure. Right. And they would give him hell. And one of them had gotten so infuriated by Lyle, uh, probably the time that Lyle would always salute and then lean forward at about a 12-degree angle and then four degrees to the right <laughs> as he saluted. <laughs> and throwing them off because they thought, you know, he is leaning or is he? And <laughs> is he leaning to the left? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to tell. Yeah, so yeah. It was very disconcerting for them. So he lost his only stripe. Oh, wow. And uh. his... His great luck was this officer with very sort of uh, with sarcasm and, and derision dripping from his voice said, well, Bonjay, do you have anything to say? And he said, sir, I regret that I have but one stripe to give for my country. <laughs> he was saving that one. He, he was saving he that one. He had been saving it a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Said, we can do that in another episode if you'll ever have me back. Oh, uh, of course we will. Yeah, yeah. There are Korea stories which are hilarious. Oh, I'll bet. Uh, and it's a ridiculous he once, war. Man. He once it's, it's, depowered the entire camp. Oh. With a large, flat, semi-round stone he found at the top of the hill. He had gone up the hill to have his lunch and read, as he said, he had a copy of Wuthering Heights in his pocket. Okay. So, in order not to be called back to camp... Horrible book. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably what they had in the camp. Yeah. Good right. Christ, i got to read ne something. Never read it. I'm and, sorry. <laughs> anyway. He would go fiction, over the yeah. top of the hill so they couldn't see him. Right. And he read his book and, and uh, had a little bit of a nap, and he was getting up to go back to camp, and he looked down, and he saw a little round stone that was almost perfectly flat. Okay. So isn't this fun? And he rolled it down the hill, and it went down the hill quite a distance and came to a stop. And the minefields just blew up. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's even better than that, because uh. after about five rocks, he thought, I wonder if I can find any bigger ones. And he said it was schisty stone. It was strata stone, so uh -huh. it was very thin and flat. They're all like that. And There's a bunch of it them. Had, he found one that was about a meter and a half in diameter. Oh, jeez. And almost perfectly circular. Uh -huh. And he managed to lever it up and get it up and sent it down the hill teetering. Mm -hmm. And the faster it got, of course, physics took over and the teeter left. Right, it got and straighter it and straighter. An right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he said he watched in wonder as it raced across the open field, through the first rice paddy, through the second rice paddy, through the first, second, and third rolls of barbed wire, and directly through the fence and into the generator tent. Oh, Jesus Christ. Blacking out the entire... Holy cow, <laughs> you couldn't do that again if you tried. Man. No, no, he, he, he was just... Dead, so he said he didn't go back to camp for a while that day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't me. I was reading Wuthering Heights and taking a nap. Yeah, it wasn't me. I was reading Wuthering Heights. That's right, that's right, yeah. yeah. 
Well, that's a, that was a Korean War. It was a crazy time. Yeah. Crazy yeah, time. yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about you and yeah, your okay. artwork. Because yes, yes. we've only got a few more. We have about 15 more minutes or something. Yeah. Let's go. So what's going on with you? What's going on with me? Well, uh, at around nine years old, uh, rainy morning, I was looking through Edward Weston books and uh, minor white books in the house. And my dad came in from the dark room for lunch. And I had been toward the back of the Weston book, and there were photographs by Weston's sons, two of his sons, Brett Weston, who actually became an even greater fo- photographer than his father in, hmm. in many ways. A, a greater fuck? Did you just say no, fuck? Photographer. Oh. You know what we mean, man. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. I think we all know what Paul uh, means. You stack yeah. those nude pictures up and then leaf through them and okay. it's early right. porn. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm into it, man. I'm into it. All right. Yeah, so uh, I announced rather brashly that uh, Edward Weston's sons had become photographers, and I was going to become a photographer too. Nice. So at nine years old, he gave me a, a three and a quarter, four and a quarter Graflex, which is mm-hmm. a big boxy camera that you look down into, and the image is upside down on right, the glass. Right, right, right. And the lens and everything right. goes in and out on a bellows to focus, and he mm-hmm. taught me how to use a light meter and uh, gave me my first lessons and sent me out into the world. And uh, I photographed nonstop for the next twenty plus years, and then took a rather long hiatus from it. But now I know he told uh, he told you uh, you had to take fifty images. You tell that story. Yeah, he he said uh, I'm putting this on one of my tripods, and it was a field tripod for one of his big view cameras, mm-hmm. and so it was and. This is the old days, folks. So it was made out of walnut or wood. some, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, lighter wood than that. Yeah. It was, but it was made out of wood with big cast metal and brass fittings on it. Right. So it weighed a ton. Right. And my scrawny little ass threw that camera and the tripod over my shoulder and wobbled through town on my bicycle uh-huh. to take photographs, uh, thinking nothing of it. But at that age, you know, you don't, you know, you don't. Think about that stuff. Yeah, Any yeah, yeah. pain is easy to endure if sure, you're motivated. Yeah. Manny and I were hustling our asses out on Alvarado Street that time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a whole different story. Yeah, you were selling your ass. Well, that's Alvarado. what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I think we both so, were, as um, I recall. Your photographs, where do they go? I mean, are, 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 you're photographing for... Um, yeah, no. Life uh, magazine? Being, being uh, raised by... I've done... One uh, or two times commercial yeah. no, So you're just doing it for yourself? Doing it for myself. Okay. For, uh, yeah, 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 being yeah, raised yeah. by Dusty and then Lyle. Okay. Uh, Dusty, who was completely unassuming, uh, who hated to talk about art. She said, if you're talking about art, you're not doing it. Okay. Uh, and uh, she never made a big deal out of herself, which is really nice now that we're beginning to build her. Yeah. Well, it, you know, a reputation, gr- a, but a great you know, quote. coming up that way, I, I, you you have an art, you do it. Uh, yes. It's not to you were cursed go out there. with an art. Dusty said yeah. she was cursed with an art, and and she said, had to find another way to make a living. Th- yes, that's yeah. that's the great Dusty quote I love. He said if you're if you're unfortunate enough to to be cursed with an art, um, please find another way to make a living. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. And so she she rebuilt, uh, uh, bought cheap houses and rebuilt them and rented them out and played the stock market. And uh, she went a lot of her life just barely making ends meet, mm-hmm. but it was enough yep. to you know send her son off to college to be an artist and and work free without having to uh, to spend too much time. And we all die with no pockets, man. So what yeah. what what the fuck difference does it make anyway, man? You know, we're going to eat. And so my photography, to get back to your question, yeah. is, of course, uh, as an art form, uh, hopefully sometimes I do make art. Uh, I said something, I think, in that book that I'm going to give you guys, some of my photographs. It's a beautiful uh, book. I've seen it before, yes. That, you know, lovely. I'm lucky if at the moment of exposure uh, I get something resembling art. And, right. You know, it's the, the moment of exposure is an instantaneous ratification of seeing. Mm-hmm. And so as an artist and coming up in an artist's family, it's about the seeing. You don't have to paint a picture about it, of it. You don't have to take a photograph of it. Often, Lyle and I would be walking down the beach or something and see some really interesting detritus on the sand and say, oh, God, that would make a wonderful photograph. Oh, don't have a camera. Okay, we'll draw a box around it. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. Dusty would see beautiful things and then not go back and repaint them. Uh, she might 
use the colors in an right. abstract construction, but uh, you know, it was about the seeing. And that is magic in the world, that's enchantment yes. in the world, yes. that's, you know, so that's where that goes. I don't really flog my stuff. I'm told all the time that I need to do that, and maybe uh, I will, but you know, it doesn't matter shit. to me. Again, the empty pockets thing, man. Exactly, like, I don't know, have to. What's, what's, yeah. what's well, listen, um, I've got to go home. Okay, I'm. I gotta go. Running out of steam. Yeah, well, I have to. I have to open the store tomorrow at seven o'clock. So. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah I know. Uh, I, I'm a nine to fiver, and nothing uh, wrong with that. Yeah. No. No. no, no yeah. No, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. So, uh, pleasure. Paul, great you. pleasure, Manny. Yeah. And I hope more yeah. experiences getting to speak with you. Yeah. Well, we'll have you back on, on the microphone or off. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, uh, Paul's got a beautiful voice, don't you think? He's 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 a yeah. big man like his grandfather, like his father. They have they have a big <laughs> chest cavity. You can really hear it. Yeah. Not like you and me. They're like we're so scrawny <laughs> compared to well, the Because I smoke two packs a day. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But no, he, he does have a good voice. Yeah. Well, thank good you. Good times. Thank you. you know, right. my dad, who had a booming voice, as you recall, Renee, yes. uh, one of the things he told me, he said, now, Paul, this is very important. When you call a woman on the phone, oh. when you finish dialing, before she answers, it's going to be a few moments, <sighs> take, take several deep breaths. Uh -huh. yeah. He said... It gets it relaxes your vocal cords mm -hmm. and moisturizes them. Mm -hmm. yeah. Long exhale, mm -hmm. and That's then when she answers the phone, you say, "Hello." Yeah, it's very true. That's very true. Okay, wow. And he said, no, no, that's, that's very important for yeah, you to know. That's fatherly advice that oh. uh, yeah, most fathers guys, never... never uh, young guys with girls. You know, my, my daughter's going oh, to... Oh, hey, how you doing? No, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, no. Take no, a deep breath. No, 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 Hello. No, no. How are hey, you doing? That's, what, you doing? that's <laughs> what ladies like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, my name is Dolomite. <laughs> well, Paul, Love it's been that, fantastic. You, On the Troubleman podcast, we'd like to say uh, trouble never ends. But it continues. But the struggle, struggle continues. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Thank you, Paul. Thank you very much. <laughs>